When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Batter Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 128 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Cerovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So uh, the big Mets news of the week is that the Mets continue to be good. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a crazy feeling. We have hit the month of June. Um, obviously we are only like one week into June, so we are not even close to out of the woods yet. Um, but as we kind of talked about a little last week, the Mets were heading into this long stretch of, you know, really difficult opponents, um, in a row. And so far they have done fine, just fine. Um, they, uh, they lost the first two games of the Dodger series. So then you kind of started to think, well, maybe, you know, it's going to be rough this month, but then they bounced back and they, you know, took the final two games of the Dodger series to get a split. Um, and both of those were come from behind wins, including an extra inning victory on Sunday. Um, and then they won the first game of the Padres series last night. So things seem good. Pretty convincingly. Yeah. Winning, winning games. West yeah. Coast, East Coast, whatever you got. Yep. Uh, Mets have also still not lost three games in a row. They have not. Um, I believe they've lost two games in a row three times total. I could be wrong, but it's not much more than that. Yeah. They are currently 38 and 19, um, and they are ahead of the Braves by nine games, and the Phillies by 11 and a half games. Yeah. Uh, despite both those teams starting to play a bit better lately, uh, the Mets have played just as good. So they've maintained, you know, their big divisional lead um, and they are, you know, they currently have the best record in the national league. Sure <laughs> do. Incredible. Cause it's kind of like when we went off to the West coast to face the Dodgers, it's like, Oh, we're facing the best uh, team in the national league. It's like, no, no, no. The Dodgers are facing yeah. the best team in the National League. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that like teams have to be scared of us. Like they were talking about the Angels, and they're like, "Oh, it doesn't get any easier. They have to play the Mets next." And I was like, "Oh, they have to face us? Like we're a threat? Like I have to get used to this." Yeah, yeah. it's nice. I'm spoiled like, rotten. <laughs> I can't ever go back. No. I know. Like Uncle Stevie, was- you gotta be. You gotta be on this one. 
<laughs> it was like I'm ruined. I, I saw Dodgers fans being like, oh, our schedule's tough. We have to face the Mets. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> I want to just record that and have that as my text message tone. I know, right? Oh, <laughs> amazing. Um, well, and it's also like the fact that they o- have opened up and maintained that lead is great because that is what they never really did last year. Mm-hmm. You know, they were in first place for a long time, but it was like, three games, four games. And they were really like just barely in the over 500 range for a long time, but they have like built a really solid lead and then added to it, which is just, it's just what you have to do. Cause eventually there is going to be a third straight loss and you just love this cushion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not only was Sunday's game exciting just from the perspective of you know, um, the, the extra inning win, there were a few like really fun things that happened. Um, you know, the Sunday's game featured an interesting, um, managerial decision from Buck Showalter in which he used Edwin Diaz in the eighth inning. Um, the Mets took the lead, came from behind, took the lead in the top of the eighth, uh, took a two run lead, uh, Buck Walter decided I'm going to use my best relief pitcher, Edwin Diaz, in the eighth inning to face uh, the top of the Dodgers order, which is um, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner, three of like the best hitters in the National League. Um, and, you know, that worked out in the sense that Edwin Diaz got through the top of the eighth. Um, but then uh, ultimately Seth Lugo blew the save in the ninth inning. Um, and now I kind of fear that Buck Walter will never do that again, even though I think it's the correct like managerial decision to do that. Um, I don't know if, if y'all had thoughts on using the closer in the eighth inning in this I mean, it, in this situation. It worked. It did. It like, literally worked. I know that, you know, you could say, like, oh, well, you know, Seth Lugo will the save, but Edwin Diaz didn't. And it's not like Lugo would have been better in the eighth against the harder hitters. And if you'd brought, um, if you tried to bring Diaz back for a two inning save, like, I'm sorry, he was super wild and yeah. gave up some really hard hits to the outfield. That is like a walk and a home run. And you're back in the same place anyway, except now Diaz can't pitch for a couple of days. So, yeah. you know, and they won. Yep. It worked. Yep. It worked. It worked. Well, I don't know if I would do it all the time. But there are exceptions that would make, and Wookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Trey Turner definitely qualify. The only other, pro- I would say, also the Phillies probably have a comparable, like Masher kind of style, where I would want Diaz facing them too, no matter the inning, especially yeah, like the Castellanos, Harper, Schwarber part of the order. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I forget what order they bat them in. I actually think Schwarber bats first yeah he does so it's like Schwarber or Harper than Cassiano so like them I would do it because right now you have a big enough leap but also I don't know how far like they they say Buck notices everything and he plans for everything and I don't know if you like you want Diaz to face them because you know you might face them in October so like this he might never see these batters again because, you know, you only you don't see the Dodgers that often. So I don't know if he wanted to make sure Diaz saw them to, to make sure that he but he wouldn't know because he wouldn't face them in the ninth. So I don't know. Um, but I, mean, I think the, what I what I appreciate about what I appreciate about Buckshell Alter, even though like I don't necessarily always agree with him on strategy, is he doesn't seem to be someone who's really locked into any particular dogma. He seems to be very willing to go with the flow and read people and read what place they are in and adjust on the fly, you know, as needed based on kind of what are, what are his guys feeling today? And I think, and like, what's the situation, you know, is it, is it a one run lead? Is it a two run lead? Like how well, you know, are are some lefties coming up and maybe you can use your left, like he's not going to say like, Oh, well, whenever the two, three, four hitters are up, I will always use Diaz in the eighth. Like he's, I think he, he thinks of it in a little with a little more depth than that. And I think that's what really works for him as like a manager. 
Yeah. But Allison, is he evolving? Because we all know the 2016 wildcard game and the Zach Britton incident. Right, right. The non Zach Britton incident. I yeah, I was thinking about that too. And I was like, is Buck Showalter, is Buck Showalter doing some managing? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he is learning from past mistakes and that'd be good. <laughs> um, so, but I hope that like, like learning I from mistakes, the new market inefficiency, yeah, right? <laughs> um, I hope that, like I mentioned, like the fact that Lugo blew the save isn't going to discourage him from doing this again in the future, because that's on Seth Lugo for not doing his job. <laughs> and he had two outs. He got two outs. He did get two outs. Um, but you know, and you know, shout out to Adonis Medina, like, Yay. You know, I, like I, for, for, forgive my, like, you know, uh, lewdness here, but the size of the balls on that man <laughs> yes. are massive. Like, I just, I'm very impressed with, uh, the way he got through that inning, um, in the 10th. Like I literally got up and walked out of the room because I was, I could not watch him face Mookie Betts. I was too scared. I was like, did you see the Buck Showalter quote about that? No, I don't think uh -oh. I did. Oh my God. It, it was make um, they, he said he bought Medina in and he turned to Hef, Hefner and said, we're about to see an ambush. And Hefner goes by the Dodgers and he goes, no, by Medina. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I was like, oh awesome. my God. I love how this team just has no fear. Like, yeah. Absolutely no fear of anyone. And it's well, great. like to quote our beloved Buck Walter again, you know, I think, in regards to it, he originally said it about McGill, but Medina is showing himself to be one of those low blood. Was it lo no low heart rate? That was the thing. Yeah, low heart. One of the rate. low heart rate guys. Um, and you know, I think that's that's also a leadership thing because you, if you have the trust in your manager that he's not going to set you up for failure, yeah, and you can achieve a lot. Yeah. So it's like in the span of two days. They had the Adonis Medina game, which was like absolutely crazy and and sealed, like at least getting back to a series split with the Dodgers, which I think like even if it wasn't important in the grand scheme of things when it comes to like how their records shake out at the end of the season, I think it's important for like, I don't know, moral reasons, I guess, to have like earned that split. Um, and then the very next day, you have another banner game with another complete with another like all time moment like this. This 2022 Mets have has have like have crammed more like all time franchise moments into like one half season than like any team I've seen in my lifetime, perhaps because, you know, they turned around the next day and Eduardo Escobar hits for the cycle. The first Met to do so in a decade. This next very fun. episode is going to be lit. It is going to be lit. It really is. They did the, they did like, basically they did a, a, the first no hitter in a decade and they did the first cycle in a decade, like all in like within a month of each other. Like um, Mason finishes, somebody said Mason finishes 2022 is going to be longer than the director's cut of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Did the Padres still have neither a no hitter nor was it a no, cycle? No, they got a no hitter last have? year. Okay. Amazing finishes 2022 is going to be longer than amazing finishes 2017 through 2021 combined. <laughs> um, I caught amazing finishes 2007 the other day. And what? It, um, yeah, no, I oh, feel like we, they should have just skipped that year. No. Like, just, were there amazing finishes that year? There were some okay ones. It's, but like, oh my God, how can you look like, how do you look past that? No, you can't. You can't. There's no, there's no recovering from that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oh, we need to give Pete or um, Pete Alonzo credit for the Saturday game. Too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Pete Alonzo and, continues to destroy Dodger Stadium. My God. Which is also good. You know, me meant to get too far of our, ahead of ourselves. But if they do meet in the playoffs, knowing that Pete matches the Dodger Stadium is very comforting. Seems and to matches Walker there. Bueller. He'll have his Daniel Murphy moment. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and worth noting too that they, you know, in they were down in the series to nothing and they were facing off against Walker Bueller and Julio Urias and they won both those games. 
Mm-hmm. Against David Peterson and Trevor Williams. David with David Peterson and Trevor Williams on the map. Although Trevor Williams uh has been great. Tip. He yes. has been awesome. He, he is doing exactly what the Mets need right now. It was we, just one mistake to Trey Turner, really. Other than that, he was fine. Yeah. I mean, we talked we talked about this a little bit last week. Um, about, you know, when Tyler McGill comes back and by the way, there's an update on that, that return is imminent. He is coming back this weekend, which is exciting either Friday or Saturday, I think was the latest update. So he's penciled in, he made one rehab start. Um, and they, they were like, that's enough. We need you now. (laughs) So, um, he's, he's coming back this weekend. Um, and so, you know, I think there is an argument to be had that Trevor Williams is the one that deserves to keep a rotation spot. Uh, over David Peterson at this yeah. point. He's performed better. Um, I think it's just a question of whether you value, do you value him more in the rotation or do you value him more like sending him back to that bullpen role? Um, I mean, I think it's mostly cosmetic as to, I think that you should keep both Williams and Peterson on the team. And it's mostly cosmetic as to which one goes in the bullpen and you can kind of almost piggyback them. Well, I think we also overlooked to the fact that Buck pulled David Peterson mid at bat <laughs> against. Yes, he did against Mookie Betts because Green Man had me cracking up when he, he said Buck, Buck saw that and goes, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> because right, it was one long foul ball it was like, "Nope, this ain't happening." <laughs> This is what I'm saying. He <laughs> responds to the moment. He reads people. This is that's the thing. He's willing to be like, nope, nope, middle of that bat, done. That's <laughs> not happening. I wish more managers would do that. I cannot tell you how many times you see like a really just an awful pitch. <laughs> and it's like, no, don't do it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Just get him out of there. But and they yeah. Fairly big lead, I think, at the time. Or no, I think maybe the game was still close. No, that. it was close. That yeah. home, if 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 that had been a home run, it would have. Uh, they would have either taken the lead by a run or tied at that point. I okay. think. Yeah, I think um, it might yeah. have been tied. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might have been a game tying homer if it had been fair. <sighs> Which I've never seen Buck Walter move that fast in my life. He was like, and he's done. <laughs> he like sprinted out of the dugout. Which, and like. Uh, speaking of sprinting out of the dugout, like something I didn't put in the show notes, but I think we should discuss because it was funny. Like the Dodgers series featured some like weird rules hijinks, like (laughs) in multiple ways. So the first thing that happened was that the Dodgers uh, on Saturday tried to put a position player, Zach McKinstry into pitch when the Dodgers were only up by five runs. I hate this so much. I hate every part of this. Which is awful. Like just it's as Gary, I mean, Gary Cohen might've been a bit melodramatic about it, but he, he was right in that it is sort of a mockery of baseball to just like throw the white flag when you're only down by five. Like that is not an insurmountable number, especially if you're the Dodgers offense, like, you should be able to think that you can come back from a five run deficit any night of the week. If you claim yourself to be, you know, perennial world series contender that you are. The Mets have done it twice this season already. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that in and of itself was just like wild. Second of all, Dave Roberts didn't know the rules because he's not allowed to do that. I mean, to, to, to be fair to him, it is a new rule that they just uh, started. I, I can't remember whether it was like, on the books last year or whether no, it's it, a like, new one and it may actually have been in response year. to him doing this before. Yeah. I also like, I hate that that's they've literally <laughs> done this that it's happened before. Like that just makes me viscerally angry. Yeah. It's literally uh, like, they might as well call it like the Dodgers rule or like the Dave the Roberts. Roberts rule, because yeah. they basically they put a new rule on the books that says you can't put a position player into pitch unless your six runs down or more. And that rule took effect this year. And Dave Roberts, I guess, did not know this or didn't know the score, which would be even worse. Um, I think he just didn't know the rule. And so they they and but it the problem is, is that they caused this like like 15 minute delay in the game because they like had to argue about whether they could use the position player. No, you can't use the position player. Okay. So we're going to put in a, a 
a guy from our bullpen, but he has to have the full warm up time. No, you shouldn't be allowed to get the full warm up time because it's your fault for not ro- knowing the rules. Oh, but our guy might get injured. So they spent like a ton of time, like standing around on the field, yelling about it. <laughs> and they ended up giving the reliever the full warm up time in the end. Um, I like the idea that you that you lose your that you lose that player. That seemed like a fair. Yes. Like you either have to put them in the field somewhere or, you know, they're no longer available on the roster. Well, he got yeah. announced into the game. Like, yeah, that's exactly. announced, you're done. So that's tough toenails on you. Yeah. You um, and also somebody pointed out too, that's also a good heads up by Buck because the Dodgers are trying to save their bullpen and now you just made them burn another bullpen arm that they weren't planning on using. Which, so my dad and I were actually talking about this after the game and my dad, or it was probably the next day because it was so late by the time the game ended. I think it was the next day we were talking about it. But he was like, and he's right. He was like, well, if you know, you're mad, if you wanted to use a position player and you can't, and you're mad that you have to like burn a bullpen arm or like potentially injure your reliever by him not getting enough warm up time, why don't you have the actual relief pitcher just soft toss it over the yeah. plate? There's nothing stopping them from doing that. Why don't I, why don't you have him throw it like a position player would throw it? Just no, don't try because you're giving up. That's the point, right? You're giving up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So like, I, I don't see why if like, that's the intention, I mean, I'm sure that the reliever himself probably just straight up would not allow that because like any competitive athlete is going to want to put his best foot forward. Like, I don't think a reliever would want to embarrass himself out there by just like soft tossing it over the plate on purpose. I think that he would be too embarrassed to do that, but like nothing's stopping the Dodgers from doing that, from sending out a real relief pitcher, but he just treats it like a game of catch. Oh, and then that's that's still his ERA too. He wants to make his money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or, or forfeit. Yeah. Quit the, like say you know I think that this game is a lost cause and therefore we won't play it anymore. Done. Quit. Like just be a man about it. Yeah, but let's see. Yeah, but it's just like like come on, this is Major League Baseball. You're down by five runs. Like pathetic. Anyway, so that was. Rule snafu number one. Weird rule <laughs> snafu number two was during the Adonis Medina inning, Trey Turner was up and, and you, you had the free runner on second base. Trey Turner's up. He check swings at a pitch from Medina and pulls back like it was not a swing. It was not a full swing. They wouldn't have called it a swing, except when he like was already pulling back, he kind of hit Tomas Nito's glove. And so they, the Dodgers challenged that it was catcher interference, which I, Gary Cohen and I (laughs) are the same in that we did not know that you could call catcher's interference on a check swing, which was a weird thing that happened. But then they made a good point that maybe the, maybe he intended to swing, but then the catcher's interference forced him to check his swing. To pull his bat back? Possibly. That's I mean, what the thing I, I feel about catcher's interference in general is that it never totally makes sense to me. Yeah. It never really, like, it, that always seems like, oh, not really anybody's fault? Like, why is that? A, oh, okay. So I will take just about any catcher's interference call because I truly understand none of them. Well, yeah, I mean, like, just, it's important in Mets history because that led to the Bobby Valentine disguise. Yes, yes, it did. It's an important, like, b- moment in Mets folklore. I mean, like, it's the rule is on the books to stop catchers from interfering on purpose. Yeah. But, yeah. like, that, so as a result, like, just every single time thing. it gets called, it's an accident, right? Uh, I like box, too. Like, a lot of box are just very weird and and don't totally make sense in the moment but like it has to have a certain you know there just has to be the rule because otherwise they would do the other thing yeah there are a few a few things in baseball that when you try to that you don't really realize how silly they are until you try to explain it to someone who's never watched baseball before in their life like i remember like i remember the first time i had to explain the infield fly rule to someone And I was like, I know this is really dumb, but here's what it is. And because like 
this was uh, the first time I had to like truly explain. I mean, there I've been to games with people who like, you know, know baseball and have like watched baseball games before, but just like aren't like diehards and like aren't don't know all the ins and outs of everything. But one time I was at a game, um, an Orioles game. I was, it was very early, like my first year of grad school. And we like went as a cohort, like my cohort and I went together as sort of like a bonding activity because we were first meeting each other. And one of the women in my cohort was from Chile and she had literally never seen baseball before. So I started like she I, I knew that she didn't know baseball. And she was like, can I sit next to you so that you can like explain what's going on? I was like, sure. So I'm like explaining the game kind of like assuming a little background knowledge. But then she she points to the pitcher and goes, why is he standing on a hill? And I was like, oh, oh we're at that level. All right, okay. Back it, back it OK, we have to back the horse all the way up now. <laughs> <laughs> that's the picture. <laughs> like, I was like, I thought she knew baseball a little bit and just had never been to like a professional game before. I was like, no, she literally doesn't know like baseball at all. Has never seen it. Doesn't know it at all. And I so love that. that. I that love is it. A, that is a beautiful blanket of freshly fallen snow. It is. And it always like, it tests my knowledge. Like you think, you know, some, something, until you try to teach it to someone who yes. knows absolutely nothing about it. And that's how I know I would make a terrible teacher. <laughs> well, that's what the research track. Like, yep. like, why like Barry Bonds would be a terrible hitting coach, even though he tried to be because it came naturally to him. Like he just, his talent level is not what like these guys struggling level is. And how can you like something that came so easy to him? He can't necessarily teach to like you know yeah, if you're things. a natural you're just a natural yeah so that's like I think like kind of like us like we're so immersed we're like the Barry Bonds of like baseball knowledge <laughs> like how do we impart that to somebody I mean I'm not to like you know toot our own horn or anything but it's just like we know so much but that we don't know what it's like to come at it with fresh eyes like, and I think baseball is the hardest like major American sport to learn if you know nothing like most that's of why the- my favorite trick is um, having people keep score. Yes. yes, that is a very, in my experience, that's my an mom's instructive exercise. <laughs> yeah, like because like every other sport, like yes, there are weird intricacies and rules in every sport, but for the most part, if you sit someone down naive for a basketball game, they can basically follow what's going on. Uh, same with, I would argue like hockey and football, you can mostly follow, um, like, like with football, I don't know much about football. I football. My main thing is like, I, I understand all the rules, but I never like, it's hard to see where the like fouls are happening. Like, cause I don't know, like what, sorry, isn't the whole game a pass interference? Like, isn't that, yeah. Yeah, isn't that Literally the point? The whole game is to interfere with passes. I will never be able to get past that. That's yes. just. But to be fair, the referees in the NFL don't know what pass interference is. <laughs> yes, yes. So Sorry. you're on the same. You're you're on equal footing there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think it, like baseball is just like so different than every other sport, which is basically the, like the ideal like. Basically, the the point of every other sport is like move the ball, puck, whatever, like from your end to the other end and score like that's like the whole point of every other sport, except baseball, which makes no sense at all. (laughs) Well, baseball is the only one where the defense has the ball. Yep. So I think that's just. Like, it's just kind of an outlier that way. There's no clock. The defense, well, right now there's no clock. Um, the defense has the ball. Like, it's just, like, it, it's just kind baseball of. Baseball is a magnificent weirdo. It and is. That's why it's we the, love it. Baseball, baseball is so dumb and magnificent. And yeah, that's why I love it. That's why it's my favorite sport. Silly. Um, anyway, speaking of silly things, the last, like, kind of Mets thing I wanted to talk about is that, like, I think that like people are kind of not overlooking, but like not realizing enough that within the past week, Francisco Lindor slammed his finger in a door and Max Scherzer was bitten on his throwing hand by his dog. And that's how you know it's still the Mets. Yeah, that's how you know it's still the Mets. (laughs) You'd be worried. 
But you neither of those, but neither of those last, like those were one day storylines each. Like it, and it was fine. Like that's, that's, that's the amazing thing. That's what's different about the 2022 Mets. Like those sound like very Metsy things, but if this had been any other season, like Max Scherzer's hand would have been like destroyed and Lindor's finger would be broken and they both would be missing like much more time. And this would be like, lol Mets. There'd be like five articles about it, like the way there were with the Ioannis Cespedes wild boar. Like it would be the equivalent of the Ioannis Cespedes wild boar because these are both very silly injuries. Although they lasted a day. (laughs) I will say though, you know, Sandy Alderson still has his fingers in that pie because the initial report on Max Scherzer was that it was his non-throwing hand. Right. And they had to be like, and then actually later it was like, it was his right hand. And like, oh, the throwing hand and it's just it's so Mets to like throw in that little like oh but it's not a big deal because of that thing that is actually a lie that's a lie <laughs> yeah and and Max Scherzer had to do like a notes app to co- correct the record but can we it. talk about how he went to notes app to defend his dog which king king shit yes we yes. stand we well, stand. Fair, I don't think any like everyone that I follow anyway um was like was like screw you max how is the dog is the dog okay (laughs) nobody actually was mad at the dog because how could you be well even but is the dog okay because what pet owner wouldn't like you see your pet in pain you're gonna go and shout out to it's erica scherzer right yes yeah yes for for making sure that we all were updated on um (laughs) on rafi's condition yes um and also the scherzer's the Scherzers are covering adoption fees for um, all dogs 50 pounds and larger, like the large doggos at the um, I forget what shelter in New Jersey they sponsor, but there's a New Jersey based shelter and they the the Scherzers are taking care of all of the adoption fees for those you dogs. Love a giant baby pooch. I know. I know. And Just so an absolute enormous monster to snuggle forever. I we know. will post about that in the show notes in case you're interested in getting a adopting a new first friend and want to say that you want to be able to tell people that your adoption fees were paid for by Max Scherzer. But then I feel like you have to name the dog Max at that point. Of course. You gotta. Like, that's not negotiable. (laughs) It is not. Yes, correct. He would agree. Yes. (laughs) Or Erica for Erica Scherzer. Yes. Maxine. 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 Yes. There's options. And I do love that the Scherzer dogs have heterochromia, too. (laughs) It's just so great. Everything about the Scherzers. We love it. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So in in wider baseball news this week, um, it is obviously the month of June, like we mentioned at the top of the podcast, which also means that it's Pride Month. Um, And teams are having various pride nights or otherwise celebrating pride in various ways. Um, And this year, some teams are wearing um, on the pride night are wearing uh, rainbow logos on their uniforms, like on the hat, the logos, rainbow, rainbow patch, et cetera. And the Tampa Bay Rays were one of the teams that wore the rainbow patch and hat 
but not all of them did. <laughs> um, and it became a very public story because, you know, when some of the guys are out there in like pride gear and some are not, it's like very obvious, like you can see it. Um, but instead of just like, you know, like not like letting that go or whatever, not that I want to let it go, but like they, the Rays sent, sent this random middle reliever to be a spokesperson for the guys that opted out. And he proceeded to give like the worst quote about this. You can imagine. Um, double down on it too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Double down on it. I mean, it's basically, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it sucks. Um, but it's basically like a longer, worse version of the Daniel Murphy. I don't agree with their lifestyle quote. That's more or less the sentiment. It's like the year of our Lord, 2022. I just absolutely do not understand this. I mean, I do, I do understand it, but it makes me mad and I wish I didn't. And it's like, it's, it's just more bullshit about like, we like, it's not, oh, it's not a bigotry. I don't hate anyone. It has nothing to do with that. It's a faith-based decision. It's just a lifestyle. I don't agree with like, I'm sorry. You don't get to debate people's existence and call that like a lifestyle choice or you don't get to debate people's existence and just say it's like a difference of opinion and not bigotry. Like you are a bigot. (laughs) Well, I would love to hear I would love to hear what they would say if somebody opted out of the camo bullshit Mm -hmm. because they are anti-war. Yeah, exactly. would, Would love would love to hear the free speech defenders log on. Um, for that, for that choice. Imagine, imagine if any, if they did this for any other like uniform thing that they do throughout the year, they do like 18 military appreciation nights, like Memorial day, like, you know, July 4th is arguably like the same jingoistic bull crap anyway. Um, like imagine, if someone opted out of any of those or any of the various heritage nights or, you know, the pink caps on Mother's Day or anything like that, people would freak out. You would but never hear the end of it. No, nope. because it's this. I guess it's OK. <laughs> also, like, I'm Catholic. Like, I know it's in the Bible and nowhere. Like, they're always like, oh, it's my religion. I'm kind of offended you're using my religion, too, to back up your bigotry. Whatever happened to, like, love thy neighbor? We're all made in God's image. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Well, and ultimately, you know who took the final responsibility for that situation is the race. Yeah. Because yeah. let's be real. This is all about publicity. This is. is not like some deep heartfelt desire to truly, you know, rep, truly embrace the LGBT community. That's not what that is. Um, and if the letting them opt out was the problem. If, yeah. And if, if you can't put out on the field an actually inclusive nod towards that community, then, oh, well, you don't get to make that claim. You don't get to use that. That doesn't, you know, you don't get half credit. Yeah, they're playing was, both sides. They're playing yeah, you both either, sides. If you can't get your players on board, well, that's a shame. I guess you have a homophobic organization that you maybe need to work on before you are allowed to, like, rub elbows with uh, a community you have done absolutely nothing for. Right. And it's like, you know, like, it's it's not like, again, this, this middle reliever, um, Adam, Jason Adam, He was the one who gave the horrible quote, but obviously it's like representative of more or less all the guys who chose to opt out. But like, it's not like Jason Adam voluntarily went to the media and said, I, Jason Adam, am here to say this. It literally says in the article, Adam, chosen by team officials to speak for players who opted out. This was a choice by the race to send him out there to talk to the media. This was a choice they made. He also, I mean, look, I'm sure he's I'm not absolving got him some positive qualities somewhere. He's not a genius, this guy. No, I'm not he, absolving and I'm not absolving Adam here and saying like he has no agency no, no. in the team, like put a gun to his head and made him say this stuff. Like, but it's this, not like they picked him because he's eloquent. Like this is stuff he believes, but the team made a choice because like, 
you know, you could make the choice to tell your players to shut the hell up about it and not say a single goddamn thing. But instead they were like, oh, we'll send this guy out there. He'll 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 speak on behalf of uh, on behalf of the bigots on our team. That sounds like a great plan. (laughs) And I mean, that's why this is now I mean. I think it would have been a story anyway, even if they hadn't said anything, but they made it worse by talking. Well, did something similar happen to the Mets when they were like taking a stance against gun control and then Dylan G came out and said, no, I don't support gun control. Yep. That, that all, did happen. That all, I, you know, I have absolutely no memory of that because my brain is Swiss cheese, but that tracks a hundred percent that did happen and i would advise listeners of this podcast because i assume that listeners of this show are not of the same persuasion as dylan g on most issues i'd encourage you not to follow dylan g on social media or look at his likes i can imagine they are they are a hellscape (laughs) (laughs) because i feel like they did something and G wanted to opt out of it because of gun control. And I can't remember what it was. I don't remember either, but that sounds vaguely familiar. And I think you're right. Um, God, they're all such whiny babies. Yeah. And like, let's not pretend that this is some like small minority. Like this is, this is like a lot of baseball. This is representative of a lot of baseball players opinions. Yes. Um, And like, you know, like as if, as if the Rays and Jason Adam did not throw enough fuel on this fire. Literally nobody asked for a follow-up from anyone about this, but Nick Anderson just oh volunteered God. a notes app. Like it was what is close like, your mouth, guys. Literally yeah. stop talking. Not Dig talk. up. Dig, Dig up, up, stupid. stupid. Like literally it's, it's that meme. It's that meme. That's like literally no one, absolutely no one. And there's like blank, blank Nick Anderson notes app. Like no one asked for this. And yet here we are. Um, so Nick, well, Anderson- of course, that's the thing about these big man opinions that certainly everyone must need to know what he has big to say. Man opinions. It has to be valuable. There's that's obvious on its face. Guess what the title of this show is. Big man opinions. Anyway, but yeah, Nick Anderson felt the need to share his big man opinions because I guess he has to be like a good teammate or whatever. And he's like, I, oh, again, he said the same bullshit. Like, we're just talking about differing beliefs. It's like, no, that's not what this is. You can't just, like, differing beliefs are like whether you like pineapple on your pizza or not. That, did like, you see the Twitter user who absolutely destroyed Nick Anderson? Oh, no, I don't think so. I mean, they're they're very that he got thoroughly dragged for this in general. This was a good one. I I have it up because you have to hear this one. Because he was like, um, you can believe what you want. Blah, blah, blah. Doesn't mean I think you're a bad person. And so the person responded, thank you for giving me permit. This is by at Yancey Eaton. So I'm Eaton. So I'm thinking he's a White Sox fan, maybe. Um, thank you for giving me the permission to believe whatever I want, which includes me believing that you're a bad person. People do not choose to be gay, but you did choose to drive intoxicated and assault someone with a baseball bat. Look inward. Yeah, for real, for real. Yep. Isn't there something about glass houses? Isn't that like mm-hmm. you're like that's in the Bible? Glass houses shouldn't drive drunk. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or like something about you know casting the first stone isn't that something in the bible <laughs> well no, so some, i forget who it was but they're like i interpret the bible like it, the bible's infallible i'm like okay so let's all stone women to death yeah like, right like it's i just, hope the uniforms don't combine any fibers well you know they are for polyester which is i think a combined fiber so they should not be ripping right, right row. oh no oh no looks like you're burning and they can't pitch on sundays because sundays are a day of rest yeah no sabbath games any longer sorry yeah um, so i mean if the bible's infallible you can't pick and choose your beliefs then if, and if you yet- are then you're bigot and yet they do. Yep. Oh, yeah. But in any case. In any case. Like, I just, I mean. Teams, this, come and get your boys. Yeah, mm-hmm. come and get your boys. I mean, we're, this is like far beyond the original topic at this point. But I just, I just feel the need to say that, like, just, I would have so much more respect for these people if they just admitted that their issue is that they think gay people are icky. Like, yeah. that is ultimately what you think. You're a homophobe. 
just admit it with your full chest. I'm sorry. Like, I don't, but like using your religion. Look around like, who brought me into this? Yeah. Like, I didn't ask for this. I had no (laughs) dog in this fight. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I just, using your religion as a crutch is cowardly and Mm -hmm. uh, you suck for it. The end. Um, Like we said, we know this is the majority of, maybe not, well, I was going to say, it's probably close to a majority of what baseball players believe, too. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Um, and that's the shame of it. And that's um, why they are so comfortable expressing these garbage big man opinions yep. is because they know they're they're socially acceptable. Yep. Like we say about a lot of things, including, you know, abusers, like until abusers are ostracized, completely blackballed from the game and hopefully <clears throat> someone is the first step toward that beginning to happen. Until those types are just like not tolerated by their peers, it's just going to keep happening. And the same thing with blatant homophobia, uh, which is rampant in the sport until that behavior is no longer tolerated by these these guys peers, then they're going to feel fine expressing these horribly bigoted beliefs because they know that they'll get backup from their guys. Yeah, like they're more tolerant of they're bigoted homophobic teammates like they they have no problem sharing a locker room with domestic abusers those who drive drunk um but or even josh donaldson yeah (laughs) like that you can tolerate but uh but uh, somebody of the lgbtq community oh god the horror and i've seen a lot of tweets that that say some variation of like like, I feel so awful for all the closeted, like, gay players right mm-hmm. now, which, yes, I, I agree with that. Uh, I, I, too, feel terrible for all of the all of the closeted queer folks that are pro- that are probably existing in baseball. But I do think, sadly, it is a smaller number than I think people believe, because statistically it should like if you're just talking straight statistics, like how what percentage of the population is queer? There, there are queer baseball players who are closeted, who don't feel comfortable coming out in the current environment. Shock of shocks, like, this is why. But I, sadly, I think it's not even the percentage that it should be just based on the general population, because I think so many of them have already been chased out of the game. Yeah. But like, at the like, high school level, at the college level. Like, it's those just not guys, an environment that somebody can be alive in. Right. Like... Those guys have all left the game before they could even make it to the highest level, even if their talent had that potential because they couldn't take it. Which is not to say there aren't some may have some. many, but yeah. like it's fewer than it should be because some of those guys were driven out for terrible reasons. Yep. And I don't blame them for leaving. Nope. Um, but, but like, you know, it's a, it's a horrible cycle because by, by those players being chased out, nothing's going to change because then the game is going to continue to stay a monolith in this regard. Did you see Adam Jones's tweet? It was like the perfect summary. Did you or no? No. (laughs) It's very simple. Just, I love Jesus and also inclusion. Is that okay? Okay. Good night. (laughs) Thank you, Adam Jones. God, Adam Jones is such a gem and I love him. I know. I miss Adam Jones. I miss him so much. Adam Jones is a gem. Sean Doolittle is a gem. Uh, Preston Wilson had a lot of good tweets, too. Yes, he did. I saw those. I saw those ones. That was really good. But also notice how these are all guys out of the game right now. Like, did they not feel like they could speak up while they were still playing? Well, Sean Doolittle. Sean Doolittle. And has has spoken before about this. He's there. And he has spoken before about this. Yeah, he has. Absolutely. This and and plenty of other things. Um, But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll finish the segment with happier news, which is that um, of particular interest to this podcast and its audience, um, the trailer for the new A League of Their Own miniseries came out today. Um, and the miniseries is coming out on Amazon Prime in August. Um, and the first trailer came out today and it looks so good. I'm so excited for this. Like, I can't remember the last time I was this excited for a TV show. I'm so excited. Well, and on the topic of inclusion, um, 
there is seems to be a much more diverse range of stories being told, yes. um, including a lot of black players and some queer players as well, which were two big flaws in what is otherwise a spectacular movie. Um, and that's really wonderful to see because that's such an important part of the story that needs to be told. Yeah, I, I love how it it's still like, you know, it still is telling the story, the like core story of the of the of the original film, but just like expanding the scope as it should and telling these stories in parallel. Um, I don't think I mean, obviously, I haven't seen it yet because no one has, uh, except maybe the people that got the advanced screeners. Um, But my understanding of it is that, you know, they are like, you know, the the All-American Girls Baseball League was not integrated. Um, And I don't think they're going to like bend like historical like they're not going to make a complete fiction by pretending that it was but they are going to tell the parallel story of a lot of black female baseball players who were also trying to play um, at the time, which was, you know, there were black female baseball players trying to play at the time and those stories should be told. So they're going to kind of tell it in parallel with like the Rockford Peaches story, um, which is like very cool. And, and yes, there's going to be queer characters this time around, which is also very cool. Um so, yeah. And, and I mean, the, the co-creators, uh, at least one of them, if not both of them, are queer themselves. So, you know, that doesn't you know, that's that's great that we're going to have queer stories told by queer people. And that is very much historically accurate because, yes, <laughs> there are many, many um, open and discovered later on queer relationships began in women's baseball. That was that was an important part of queer history and sports. Yes. And, and they did a lot of research for this, uh, for this mini series. So I'm, I'm super excited to see it. I can't wait. Um, and just a little teaser for you all, when the series does come out, we're going to have, uh, Kate, we're going to try to have Kate Feldman on the podcast. Um, our, uh, entertainment correspondent for the New York (laughs) daily news, um, who is an expert in, uh, in entertainment and also similar to us, very excited about this mini series. So I'm very excited to have Kate on later this summer to talk about it when uh, we all have the chance to finally see it. Um, so that's exciting. Um, but yeah, uh, now we will get to each of our individual walk-off wins uh, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Linda Cervich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, I know I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I was nervous about JD because he seemed sad or mature and he wasn't as JD himself. And now he's totally bad. Oh my God. The goofiness came right out. Your man's is killing it. My man's is so back. He's all the way back. Um, he was like practically giddy talking to Gelbs the other day. Even Gelbs was like, you have to watch this epic post-game interview. I mean, it still doesn't top the one from 2019 because I don't think anything will. But he was giggling. He dropped a dude in there. He called Steve Cohen Uncle Stevie. Like, you got the full JD experience. <laughs> and then he went, Medina, man, Medina! Medina! <laughs> Like, I'm like, yes, so that's it. That's the thing to say. Ah, he always yeah. nails it. Yeah, it's like he just captured what everybody was feeling in that post-game interview with his like genuine JD-ness. And then, you know. It's just vibes all the way down. It is. But, and, you know, you know, I love JD. He's my man's. But, you know, he does kind of look like a meathead. But then when he speaks, he gives thoughtful answers. He's not just, you know a dumb jock like there's there's substance there um and then you know even the next day when he had to play first base he he killed it yeah (laughs) like he was totally fine at first and they weren't really giving him like there were a couple low throws and he totally nailed it and he's been hitting he's batting over 300 his last seven games He's gotten a few. Cl- he drove in the game-winning run for the Medina game. <laughs> yes, he did. He did. He did, and it was it was a well. I mean, then he had a you know brain fart like JD's <laughs> tends to. Yeah, do. he did get picked off second, which was not. Good. <laughs> yeah, but-, well, but it didn't cost them because Medina was the savior, and you know, so it just makes me so happy. Like 
you know, obviously we're all having fun and, you know, it's a great season, but just to like to have that little extra goofiness. And even yesterday, him and Lindor were jumping up and down for Escobar. And, you know, just to see that, just to see how happy he is again, like, I hope he was okay. <laughs> um, so just that little, like, it's the cherry on top for me. Like that little, the little goofiness is back. And um, so I'm happy that he is getting playing time again. And ever since he has gotten the playing time, he's responded. So, and, and even Buck must believe in him that he, you know, wanted his bat in the lineup. So put him at first base. Yep. Um, so, so my goofy, my, my, my darling goof, I've missed you. And I was even wearing my JD shirt on Saturday or was it Saturday? No, Sunday, whatever. Yeah, it was Sunday. Um, so um, I like, I feel like maybe I had a little bit of a hand in that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, the vibes definitely reached through. Yes. So it, you know, like, we're happy. We're happy. The good, the good vibes, the good, the happy JD is back. And then I do have a second walk up win is that, um, I had a horse therapy program today. And, um, so I got to spend my afternoon with horses. That's very cool. <laughs> and, um, like, you know, and then like they, they had the kids go up to the horses and like, Oh, show them the pictures in the book. So the kids would like walk up to the horse and like show them the book and the horses would like bow their heads and like, really like, look. And it was a little, they were, I think there were two Shetland ponies. And, um, so yeah, sometimes my job can be really fun. It's like, you know, I was away from, I, like I said, in the program to the, to the coordinator, I was like, I'm away from my desk and away from a computer and like playing with horses. Like my job can be okay sometimes. Um, so yeah, so JD and horses are my walk off. JD and horses. We love that. And like, and in parallel with the the JD post game interview, if you haven't watched that, I recommend it. And if you haven't watched yes. Eduardo Escobar's yes. post game interview from the cycle game yesterday, I highly recommend that one also because that was fantastic. My favorite part of it was just like he started off like using the translator, and then he just got so excited that he started talking in English. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and even Gelb tweeted. He said, "Watch the last three, and I can't remember who the oh it was Pete." Pete, yeah. Yeah, Pete, because he was like, well, what did he say? He he had a couple good quotes when talking about, Be- oh, like he ate my lunch and like, oh, yeah, Bueller. Like he he was getting revenge on Bueller because in college, like, yeah. Bueller really owned him and he said so he, he took my lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> so I really wanted to exact revenge on him for that. Um, and yeah, so the, the, the Mets are just giving the vibes are just off the charts, uh, the whole team. Um, and worth noting, too, that J.D. Davis, uh, both J.D. Davis and Eduardo Escobar, who, who both had been kind of struggling and are now on hot streaks, have both bumped their WRC plus to 108. I think they're both at exactly 108 right now. Woo-hoo. So both back over league average, uh, which is great to see. Well, then um, that's, you know, that's what we need, too, from the team. Like You need everybody to contribute, and that's what they're getting right now. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? All right, I'm going to continue the theme of um, lovable Mets infielders. And um, my walk-off win is Eduardo Escobar. And I would just like to say, I was thinking over my walk-off win yesterday. And I was thinking, you know, maybe Eduardo Escobar. And then he hit for the cycle. So, <laughs> yeah. Lest anyone think I am a bandwagoner on the Eduardo Escobar universe um but but actually and i do have to admit that it was just a few brief weeks ago that i was musing like he looks real bad and was unclear as to whether like he's he's got to get to the point where maybe he's injured or maybe he's just like running out of juice completely like it was it was looking bad and i was definitely um not feeling super optimistic about what to get from him but he has just completely turned it on. And from the point where he really turned it on in my eyes, or maybe this is just like my heart turning on to the wonderful person that he seems to be was his 10th anniversary and specific of, of like joining the majors and specifically Max Scherzer gave just the like funniest, sweetest speech in his honor. Um, And as I recall, he didn't do much that game or the game after. But I think it was right after that that he started getting some big hits. Um, 
And then, and then, you know, he had the walk-off just about a week ago now. Um, it might've even been my walk-off win if I had been on last week's show, but it's my walk-off win now. Um, and just like the look on his face as he's like, you know, hugging his teammates. And I had to watch that video clip like 10 times and just sitting yes. there like in bed in the morning, like weeping as I watched the walk-off over and over again. And like, he's just a really genuine person. And like the same, you know, and the same with the cycle was that same, like, like really just such big feelings coming out of that guy. And I, I love it. Um, he's, he's awesome. I'm so glad the Mets have him. Um, and yeah, he, it's seeing him doing so much for the team. And after things had been so hard, it's, yeah, it's wonderful to see. So Thank you, Eduardo Escobar. Keep killing it. Woohoo! He is he's, adorable. He's a player that just exudes joy. Yeah, exudes joy, and you can tell he's just one of those players that just like loves playing baseball, and that's just like so great. I love it when players like just love playing baseball when they act like kids out there because that's really what they 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 are. Like they're living their childhood dream, and it's just like so pure and good. Um, and Eduardo Escobar just like really embodies that as a player. And I really have enjoyed watching him play this season. He's been so fun to have on the team. Um, my walk-off win this week is kind of like two like little things. Um, Michael and I went to a wedding over the weekend. Um, it, it was my dear friend, Jess, um, married her husband, Zach. Um, and it was just lovely. It was another one of those, you know, like COVID weddings where they got married with like two people there um, during COVID. And now they finally got to have the full wedding with everyone. Um, so there's always joy in that because, you know, they had waited so long to celebrate with their friends and family and they finally got to. So that was really nice. Um, it was just a fun wedding. I had a great time. Um, and Michael wore his Pokemon suspenders, <laughs> which he was so excited to break out. Like he's been waiting for the right wedding to break out the Pokemon suspenders. And um, Jess's husband, Zach is like, he's like a very colorful dresser. He like really enjoy, like he's a big bow tie guy and he loves like floral bow ties and like he's just, and and he has um he has a uh, uh one of the first like like sports things he ever bought in America he's Canadian and he came to America for graduate school um and one of the first like American things he got was uh the uh because he went to University of Delaware for graduate school that's near the Wilmington Blue Rocks uh minor league baseball team um and I went there a lot in college so I have a great fondness for the Blue Rocks and they have um a mascot called Mr. Celery that is a big celery and it's very silly like in a minor in a minor league baseball sort of way and Zach has a hat with Mr. Celery on it and it's like <laughs> my favorite thing um and so, you know, it's just the kind of personality that Zach is. And so Michael was like, this is the right wedding to break out the Pokemon suspenders. And so he did. And it was great. There was also a cardboard cutout of Joe Biden at this wedding because sure. <laughs> because everyone at the nearly uh, everyone at this wedding went to University of Delaware. So it's like a big like thing uh, with <laughs> Delaware grads. Uh, so it's just like all around like a fun wedding. Um, and so that, that's part of my walk-off win. And then the other like tiny walk-off win that I have for this week is that, um, at the grocery store, um, the other day I found the old Bay flavored goldfish. Oh, oh, are they? they are good. so good, Maggie. Okay. They I, are so I have them too. I'm putting them on my target list. Oh it's my happening. God. They're so good. And I'm, I'm like, I'm angry about it. How good they are because now I know I'm going to become addicted to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what like, is it? I am... They're not in a limited edition, are they? Yes, they are. They, they claim are. to be. It says on the bag that they're limited edition. Oh no. Which I'm like, I think that people will, I think that now that you've put this out in the world, if you take it back away, people will riot. <laughs> they're so popular. Um, but yeah, I mean, my like Baltimore heart was absolutely singing and it's been like, it's no small feat to get your hands on these because in the, in the like DMV area, it's been like very hard to find these because like everyone in the Maryland Baltimore area, like loves old Bay. And so everyone's very excited and grocery stores were like completely in this area. We're completely selling out of them. So if you need need me to take care of you, I have a feeling that's not going to be a problem in the Bronx. Yeah, I know. Right. I I had plenty in my local stop and shop. (laughs) Like, 
Like, um, I told I in a meeting t- today at work, I told my boss that I got them. And my boss is like, because we're still mostly working remotely. My boss is still in San Diego. Um, she like, she like went over there during the pandemic and she was like, oh my God, oh my God, you got the old Bay goldfish. Oh my God, I need them. And so I was like, I will get you some next time I'm at the store if they still have them. So I'm like now the like supplier for my social group. Um, I'm going to report back after. Yeah, please. I hope I I don't want to. Now I feel like I don't want to hype them up too much and have you be disappointed. But I like, oh, they're so good. I enjoyed them. They're so tasty. I'm looking forward to it. Um, So, yeah, my Maryland heart was just very happy. So that is my other walk off one for this week. Um, but while you are waiting for your personal supply of Old Bay Goldfish, you can go to amazingavenue.com, check out all of our fantastic content. We've got game recaps. We've got analysis. Michael actually just came out with a piece today about the, the case for various Mets players for the all-star team. Um, since the Mets are blessed enough to have many potential all-stars this year. Um, so Michael kind of reviewed like the case for each, uh, each major player that might make the all-star team. Um, so you should check that out. All of the rest of our content, you can follow amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pot of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Cervich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. And you can email the show, own at gmail.com. If you have questions, you can tweet at us. You can email us. We love answering uh, listener questions on the show. We do. Um, you should subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting. <laughs>